Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to worship you, and to fellowship one another. Father, we pray now that everything done and said today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom, and we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. amen. <clears throat> so um, we had some reruns, and I'm sorry until we find some new jokes, y'all can hear some reruns, but... No, no chance you can remember when this was told, but you probably heard, have heard it before. Anyway, these two old guys are sitting in the boat, two old rednecks are sitting in the boat fishing. And they're just sitting there spitting and chewing back over the side of the boat. And they'd been silent for a couple of hours. And Earl looked at Bubba and said, I think I'm going to divorce my wife. He didn't say anything for a little while. And by the time he spit and chewing back across the boat and said, well, why are you going to divorce her? He said, well, she hadn't spoken to me in two months. And they sat quietly for a little while, and he spit the chew in the back across the thing. He said, man, I'd be careful. A wife like that is hard to find. <clears throat> Amen. <laughs> oh, baby. <clears throat> I didn't got no comment on that. All right, so let me tell you, man, we... Um, we're sorry we weren't here last week. We were, we were out of the country, and it was a phenomenal trip and a, and a couple good days to get away and just be quiet and still. And um, one of my favorite places on the planet to go. But, and we go right um, to Montego Bay in Jamaica, and they have, I don't know, seven, eight, nine piers, docks, concrete walkways, whatever, that go out into the ocean. And it's beautiful, crystal clear water and, 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 and sunshine is fantastic. Um, but, but we saw something this time, and, and I've never seen it before. And then I asked the question, and that guy said, no, that's the way it is. So all of these docks go out to the, in the ocean and stop, and they park boats by them or whatever. And there's even a restaurant bar that sits out over the water. And then further down towards the end of the property, there's a chapel that sits over the water. And it has glass panels in the floor which are pretty neat. I guess when you walk down the aisle, you actually can see down to the water. And Crystal and I hadn't really ever been out there and looked at it a whole lot close. And so we were, you know, just walking, goofing off and looked. And when we walked into the chapel, in the glass floor, there were fish. Now I'm not talking about a fish or two fish. I'm talking about thousands of fish. Big fish, little fish, in-between fish. And it kind of caught my attention Y'all know me. I was thinking about how can we catch these fish right here. That's what we need to do. And so we walked outside and around it is a little walkway. And I, I showed Thomas the video before church. It is thousands of fish underneath this dock. Well, we walked down all the rest of the docks and looked at all of the pieces and there's no fish on any of those. And you go back to the chapel and there's thousands of fish. And so y'all know me. I went and asked one of the Jamaicans. Hey, buddy, tell me why. Tell me about those fish. He said, under the church. I said, yeah, under the church. Tell me about those fish. He said, are they not there? I said, no, no, they're there. There's lots of them, but they're not anywhere else. He said, no, man. He protects them. That's why they go there. Really? So those fish stay under that church because you think God protects them under the church? Yeah, man. You don't? And I said, no, I do. I just haven't wrapped my mind around the idea that fish with a brain the size of a pea is smart enough to know that God protects them 
And humans, who are supposed to be very intelligent, somehow can't grasp that concept. And it shook me for a minute. I mean, like for a minute, I'm like, that is so profane. And, and this is not, I don't know if y'all have ever been to these resorts. And these folks are, they're pretty simple folks and they're they are hilarious, but they're not scholars, right? I mean, they're not reinventing the wheel. He is raking the seaweed up and down the beach. That was his job and, and he loved it. He thought it was great and fantastic. But he had such a simple concept that kind of blew me away. And so this morning when we were singing praise and worship, I asked Mr. Barnett to sing, I go to the rock, right? <clears throat> so if you will, turn with me to um, 2 Samuel 22. So 2 Samuel 22, um, and we'll start with verse 1. So 2 Samuel 22, verse 1. And David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hands of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. From violent people, you saved me. Wow. So when we say, I go to the rock, this is really where this came from, right? That's a scripture song. This is where that came from. So when we talk about, like, you know, I go to the rock, we're talking about turning to go to God's protection over us. And if you look at what David has been through, it's pretty impressive, right? I mean, David had... People had tried to kill David for a minute. I mean, Saul had tried to kill David to other armies. I mean, everybody had been after David. But when we get so bent up in what the world has going around and what's going on around us in the world, we kind of forget this, right? We kind of think about what will I do or where will I go or who's going to help me. Or, but, but this right here, if you can grasp the idea that those 10,000 little fish understand that God is my protector and that I can count on him. And you know what's funny is, is um, that, that place there, I think the first time we went there is in 2012, so only about 12 years. But that little building has been there the whole time. And so has all the rest of the buildings. I mean, it doesn't move, right? It doesn't move. God doesn't move. That, that protection stays in the same place, and which amazes me because, I mean, if you have ever been to, those, to, to Jamaica and, 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 and in the Caribbean, those folks eat and fish to survive. I mean, they, they fish to survive. And, and, and I'm not saying they don't go catch fish by this church, I don't know. But, but for that many concentration of fish to be right there, I couldn't imagine there wasn't like 25 boats trying to fish in that little spot. But the protection of God just stands right there. And, and look, they didn't. Uh, we walked out there and took videos of them. And they, I mean, they just around and around and around and around. It, it's, it's really amazing. But us as Christians, you, you know, it. We act like the, the, the rock of our salvation sometimes is, a, is, a, is something that, that moves. 
Y'all, y'all ever seen many rocks move? Now, I ain't talking about like little rocks you hit with the lawnmower move. I'm talking about like rocks that are down in the ground move. You ever seen a rock move? It don't move. It takes a minute. It takes some effort and time. You'd be all right, sweetheart. It's okay. It takes some effort to move a rock, right? And then when you talk about a foundation, it takes some effort to move a foundation. And we somehow act like that we are chasing around this rock. And it doesn't move. We move. We run to the rock, and we get real comfortable standing on God's Word. And then we get real big for our britches. And then we start to go out into the world and act like they do. And go, why did God leave me? He's still right there, hadn't moved an inch. The rock of our salvation is, is steady and constant. God's protection is steady and constant. And what we're going to talk about today is all of the scriptures throughout the entire Bible that promises God's protection in his people. And his people is we. We, we are his people, right? <clears throat> we, we sometimes forget exactly what that means. Exactly how much protection comes in this deal. Um, and one of my favorite scriptures, and it always ends up in a funeral, it, unfortunately, because that's a really good place for it to, to show what the promises really mean. But if you will, turn with me to Psalms. And it's 91. And you can, we, we also sing this song too, right? Psalms 91, 1. For whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, my God in whom will I trust. So, so, so far we've talked about God being our shield, our rock, our refuge, our fortress. In a minute we're going to talk about it being our secret hiding place. It, it is all of these words that these people tried to use to... And Psalms 91 is, is one of the ones that we don't know who wrote, right? We don't know if David wrote it or somebody else wrote it, or we don't know who wrote it. it, it it's anonymous. You know, I mean, not like on Facebook when you go in a group and it's an anonymous participant. I think it just got written down and everybody knew what it said, but nobody remembers like who said it first, right? Um, <clears throat> but it's all of these things that the, all of these folks try to explain, right? If you were trying to explain, <clears throat> you, you remember playing freeze tag when you were a little kid or hide and go seek? There was always a base, right? What's base? And then once you get to base, like you can't tag me anymore. I'm on base. You can't, you can't bother me anymore. I, I'm on base. See, this is my base. I can't, you can't touch me. And then when we used to play freeze tag, you would like try to see how far you could get away from base without turning loose a base, Right? Can you imagine trying to explain that to people who never played freeze tag before? They don't understand it, right? So all of these people, all of these authors, all of these men of, and women of God who were close to him, who understood who he was, they're, they're trying to explain to other people who God really is. And, you know, Granddaddy said, right, that he always, growing up, he had this envisionment of God was some big white-haired old man with a, Tight or Triton, Triton, Titan, the pitchfork that he was going to get you if you was if you was bad, right? He was going to shoot you with the, the lightning bolt if you was bad, right? 
But that's not really what God looks like. God is our refuge and our fortress and our rock and our hiding place and our shield and our protector and our provider. Can you imagine the difference if you really feel like God is this big angry guy trying to get you and you're trying to convince them that no, he is home base. He is your refuge and your fortress and that when you're in him, it, it, it talks about that he, he has us under his feathers, right? Um, verse 3, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and the deadly pestilence. Verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. And his faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. It's all of these ways to try to explain the loving warmth of God for his people. That, that's, that's still us. And just like those silly little fish underneath the building, right? And I know I, I've used that a bunch, but it, 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 it just... If you just be still and understand, and I don't know what you got going on in your life, whether it's an attack or sickness or, or finances or whatever that's going on. And, and listen, all you got to do is, is walk outside and there's all kinds of stuff that come against you, right? I mean, that's just, that's just life. But the idea of knowing that God is our fortress and he, and he will never leave us and he will never forsake us and he is our rock, our well-being, our mental and emotional well-being, we should be so calm and cool and collected. We should be so grounded in, in just understanding of what, look, the enemy is going to come at me, right? It, let, let's get a little further in 91. What does it say? <clears throat> um, verse 5, For you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Verse 7, a thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but none will come near you. If we really could understand that, that, that God is our protector and, and, and that he cares for us and that he is our shield and our rampart, how, how can you be easily moved with the things that are happening that's going on in the world? How can you be upset or depressed or beat down if you really believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him like it says in Hebrews how can you really really not just be happy Michael and I talked this morning he, he's still working back from his surgery and he said the first time he really can see how somebody could be depressed Right? How he's been able to do this, and now he's not been able to do this. But he has the mindset that this is temporary and we're going to get over it. But even then, if you will sit back and have retrospect and understand that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he is our protector, our rock, our rampart, our shield, if you can get to there... If you can get to where you are satisfied of who you are in Christ and who God is, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
Now, does it change God at all based on how you behave or perform? No, not at all. Does it change God at all based on how humanity performs at all? No. It's, the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the rock, the founder, the cornerstone. He is it. Right? He does not move. He does not change his mind. He does not go to and fro. Uh, flip to third, Psalms 32, because I, I referenced it a minute ago, and I want to make sure we do what we said we were going to do. Um, Psalms 32, 7. Psalms 32, 7 is another one written by David. Um, it says, you are my hiding place, and you will protect me from trouble, and you will surround me with the songs of deliverance. The hiding place. You know, y'all got any, y'all don't, don't know how to have a hiding place, do you? Oh, man, I got a couple really good hiding places. You know, I got a hiding place that was so good one time that I had a guy challenge me that it wasn't even there, Right? We, we were hunting, and, and this guy came up and said, you you just putting out corn to keep the deer from coming to my stand. And I said, that is the silliest thing anybody has ever said, ever. And he said, well, there's corn here, but there is no stand. Why would you put out corn, and there's no stand? And I said, come here. Look right there in those bushes right there. You see that little black hole that's right there? That's the stand. No way. So I walked him around, and I showed him how you got into it. And he sat down and said, wow, you can see everything. Yes. And it's hidden. Yes. I think that is the plan. The goal here is for you to hide from the animals, right? I have some hiding places. I have some really good hiding places. But God is our hiding place. When we get to that place, and then look, look, your hiding place might be somewhere different. It might be in a den with a book, and it might be on the boat, or it might be sitting on the back porch, or it might be in the garden in the spring, or it might be on the golf course. Although, I don't know how you can be a devout Christian and enjoy golf. I don't understand that concept. It does not make me feel like I am closer to God when I swing a golf club. It, it actually feels like I am sliding the wrong way. I'm just saying. Maybe it's in a, a duck blind somewhere. Maybe it's in a deer stand somewhere. It's somewhere that you can get that there seems to be calm and quiet and, and comfort. And, and, and some of y'all, like, like mama's hiding place is like, you know, Sunday dinner when everybody shows up and sitting at the table. And it's absolute chaos. That's what mama loves the most, right? Especially when it's grandkids and children and everybody running around. And if we can... You know, all act like adults and not yelling and screaming at each other. It makes it better. But, I mean, there's still. But, but there are those times that where, you, where do you go to sit and know that God is God? And if you don't have somewhere that you can get out, and, and maybe it's the beach or maybe it's somewhere else. But if you don't have somewhere that you can go sit in the quiet and reflect on who God is to you, and understand what this sermon that I'm preaching right now, that he is my rock, that he is my salvation, that he is my protector, that he covers me with his wings, that he is my rampart, that he is my shield, that he is my deliverer, that he is my healer, that he is my provider. If you can't get somewhere to understand exactly who God is to you, you are missing out. You need to have somewhere, and whether it's in a prayer closet or you know, 
<clears throat> when Crystal and I first got married, she worked at the CVS on, on um, Red Bank Road. And that's not the bestest of CVSs, but that, that was who offered the most money, and she, she had a job, and, and, and driving back and forth from traffic every day. And, and, and she told me one day, she said, you know what? I thought about something today. And when I drive to work, I see those guys like running the lawnmower, and I'm so jealous of them. And baby, you're going to make three times what they make to sit in the office and, and be in the air conditioning. How can you be jealous of the guy running the lawnmower? And she said, they don't have to think about anything. They just get to relax all day long. And I'm like, I don't really think that's relaxing, baby. It really not. But maybe you like my car and your, your, your still quiet happy place is, is on a lawnmower. But wherever it is, you've got to get to there more. You've got to understand who we are in God more. He, the Bible says that he protects us from evil. I mean, if you read Psalms 23, right? And then he wants us to want nothing. That there is no lack. No matter where we go, through the valley, around the valley, beside the valley, prepare us a table in the presence of our enemies. He wants us to know who he is to us. And if you can't figure that out, then you have to find you somewhere, maybe in the dark, maybe on your knees, maybe in your house, maybe on the road. I don't know where it is. But you have to get to somewhere to where you can just stand and, or kneel or sit or lay down or whatever makes you happy and meditate on who God is to you. It is so, <clears throat> it is such a freeing, freeing, freedom feeling of knowing that the Bible says that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. That he will never turn his back on me. That he will never change. That he is right there for me. And if, I stray, if I'm the one that strays away from the hundred sheep and the other 99 are doing what they're supposed to do, that he will leave the 99 to come find me. <clears throat> so I'm going to butcher this story, but I'm going to try to tell it, right? <clears throat> so this guy had, had grown up and his, his mom was, was a Christian lady and, and he had never really taken to being a Christian and he uh, worked a little nine to five and, and, and still lived with her and she passed away and um, he was young in his 20s and she left him like $85,000, $90,000 in inheritance and it was just him, only kid and so it was all his. So he immediately quit his job, right? He got the house. He immediately quit his job. And he started running with the wrong crowd. And he started doing drugs. And he started chasing everything that you can chase, right? And for years, that's all he did. And then the money ran out. Or maybe not years, months, time, over time. And then the money ran out. And then friends kind of left. And the girlfriends left. And he said... He didn't immediately become homeless, but what he did was go from place to place to place. And he said what happened was, is when he owned all, well, originally he owned all the stuff. And every time he moved, less of it came with him. And less of it, and less of it, 
and less of it. And he ended up in a place where he had nothing. Basically, the clothes he had on and a little duffel bag with a couple of items. And over this, he had lost all of his things, all of his mom's things, all of the things that he had grown up with. It was just all gone. And was living in a homeless shelter. And this guy was a minister, and he was trying to do like the halfway home stuff and help those guys get jobs where they could have money and trying to help them. And this one time, <clears throat> you know, where he started, from where he started, he had moved around, uh, running away from the people trying to get money from him, right? And the guy at the halfway house said, hey, I got a job, but it's 150 miles out of town. But I'll pay y'all to go, and I'll pay for your hotel while you're there. But we have to go in, and we have to clean out all of this junk and, and rebuild this apartment building. Are you interested? And he's like, sure, I'm going. Fine. And so it was him and a buddy, and it was four stories. And he said he started on the fourth floor, and his buddy started on the first floor. And they worked to the middle. And when they were throwing stuff out of windows and out of doors, and at the end, his buddy said, well, when they started, his buddy said, what we need to do is, is anything of value you need to save because we'll sell that and get us a little extra money. So they kept piling stuff up in the corner. So at the end of the day, they went through all four stories. They started going through the stuff of value. And they're going through it and looking at it. What do you think? What do you think? And the guy said, what is that? And he said, oh, it's, it's a Bible, but I, I, don't, I don't know if there's any value to it. And he said, well, let me see it. And when he opened the, the cover of the Bible, it was his Bible with his mom's stuff written in the, in the front cover. His, her letter to him. And he had lost that in his, in his thing. And he said, rightly, he said, I had never <clears throat> given any belief that God was real, that God had anything to do with me. I had nothing to do with it. He said, but he decided right then, if God was willing to chase me 150 miles away from where I'm from to bring me my mama's Bible back, I'll give him everything I got. <clears throat> Ain't he my story? I don't know why I got choked up. This is amazing. God is chasing us down to give us what he has. To give us this opportunity to know that the rock, the shield, the feathers, the cover, that it belongs to us. It belongs to his people. That he wants us to live knowing that no weapon will formed against us will prosper. Knowing no matter how many fall at our, a thousand fall at our left hand and 10,000 fall at our right hand, that it will not come near me. He wants us to know his love for us, that his protection for us, that his hedge of protection for us. Man, I'm not going to finish. We have to get to the place where we fully, fully, fully understand who God is to you as an individual. Not what God is for somebody else. What God is for you. What God is for you. And you have to get to the place where you can understand and meditate on his word and spend time with him. Now, you know, that's why God created people to start off with, is he created a, a being with a free will who could choose to fellowship and worship him. Or choose not to. But to choose. 
So as Christians, we have to get to the place of where we choose to spend time in the secret place, in the hiding place, in the rock, in the shield, in the horn of salvation, in the creator of the universe, who wants a relationship with you. And if you can do that, if you can find that spot, that said, um, when Jesus tells the lady at the well, or tells the disciples when they come back at the lady at the well, I have something on the food that you don't understand nothing about. When you can get to where you have that relationship with God, it will bolster you and build you up, and it's something that's not explainable. So, I go to the rock, right? I go to the rock of my salvation, who does not move. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for your favor and your grace. Father, we pray now that this word will go forth and it will not return void. And we just give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. Joe, come up. I'll be happy to pray with you.